All right, all right. Everybody, hope you're doing well. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. It is uh, the 27th of April on 2020. And um, I hope you guys are doing all right. I hope that you are surviving this brave new world that communism has led us to. I hope that you are processing the lessons of communism and treachery and betrayal and all of the stuff that all of us nerdy anti-communists were talking about oh so many years so many years boy it's been close to 40 years that i have been banging on about communism and um I hope that you guys uh, have helped spread the word because it's important to have a clean conscience when a world disaster like this strikes. And I'm doing well, thank you. I am sorry, of course, that there hasn't been much of an update on the COVID situation for the last little while. But of course, as I'm sure you're aware, my father done died. And I had um, other things to take care of. And when I did have some time... I wanted to do something just a little bit, I guess, lighter-hearted, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm sure you guys can uh, completely understand that. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was right. I was right. And um, just now, we have uh, passed by 3 million total confirmed cases. So I'll just... COVID-19 is the Trojan horse delivering socialism. That is actually quite true. I said that communism is the real virus. Coronavirus is just how this spreads. Save Blue Eyes says, love you, Stefan, and all the great info you've brought us over the years. Why, that sounds like a bit of a eulogy, doesn't it? It's my father who died, not me. Um, And what else do you guys have to chat my family thanks you for the coronavirus information you gave us i appreciate that and i'm you know you guys will uh, i i got your back man i've got i'm on your side i am on your back and you're a good man sorry about your father thank you thank you for keeping us informed and let's see here it would be awesome if you delayed the stream a couple of minutes so we don't miss anything you might say but you're already here. I'm a little confused. I'm so sorry about your dad's passing. It's a funny story. It's a funny story. Um, I was uh, just uh, doing some weeding today because uh, got, got to be preparing the old food bed, right? I mean, there's, there's reports that the food supply, the food chain is uh, under threat. And I'll tell you this, you know, I suddenly remembered and I hadn't thought of this in many years. So when I was a little kid, like a toddler, toddler, my first memory is before I could walk. So sort of 10, 11, 12 months. And so at about, I'm going to guess 14 or 15 months, I was, my, my father was taking care of me and he was having a game of tennis. Uh, tennis runs in the family. It's uh, something that we all kind of love. And he did not keep much of an eye on me and I wandered off into a garden shed, and I drank weed killer. Maybe I rubbed it on my scalp, too. I shouldn't laugh because it was pretty serious. But I actually think that had a lot to do with why my mom didn't feel like he could be around as a, uh, as a father. So, Yeah, I talked about the food chain issues quite some uh, time ago. And uh, it is uh, 
It is a very, very big issue, as you know. We're not too long away from going from civilization to, well, not so much with the civilization, right? I think you will survive the censor nuke because you are not National Socialists, so be happy. Now, it's funny that, so that far back, yeah, I can definitely remember being teased by a family member when I was uh, sitting in a diaper and uh, they were dancing around me saying, you know, Stefan is a baby, Stefan is a baby. And I was like, no, because I didn't feel like, who wants to be called a baby, especially when you're kind of a toddler? I remember that very clearly. The story with myself and the weed killer it's one of these things, I don't know if you've ever had this, where you hear a family story so often, you're not sure if it's a memory or just the repetition of the story that's taken root. Um, Stefan just wanted to say, my father left when I was four years old. I recently found out he had passed away too. It's strange because I felt absolutely nothing. Feelings are empirical. And if somebody's not a father to you, um, Considering the weed killer, I say you turned out okay. Maybe that's the secret sauce. Well, I did end up in hospital, and uh, it was a very, very big, a very, very big deal. So, you warned of food chain issues in February. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, and and good for you, man. It was not that hard. And you'd think, you know, this is how poisonous and toxic ideology is, right? Like you would genuinely and definitely think that people like myself, and there's, of course, many others, not too many, though, but many others who were right about this being a pretty important world crisis, that we would get some kind of break and some kind of newfound respect and some kind of stuff from the media, like, oh, you know, well, maybe he's a bad guy, but he's a bad guy who's right. And so, all right, let us, um, where can we donate here in the chat? Well, I don't have any super chats. I'm completely, of course, demonetized on YouTube and a variety of other platforms, and I have, of course, hesitated to ask for support. Donations are down enormously, of course, because of coronavirus. I have been really hesitant to ask for your support. Uh, I am continuing to work and spend money because, you know, there are people who, um, I wouldn't say that they rely on me, but uh, people who um, are facing a loss of income in other areas. So wherever I can spend on the show, I legitimately will. Um, we are putting out in a day or two the uh, last, the final, um, one of the series on California, Sunset in the Golden State. So um, if you can support the show, I know it's a tough time, so please, please don't, of course, provide anything that makes you uncomfortable or anything that you need for food or ammunition or whatever the heck is going on. But um, you can go to freedomain.com forward slash donate. Uh, there's um, money button stuff there. There's uh, You can donate directly through um, a credit card or, or Interact or anything like that. And you can also go to Subscribestar, and there's a link there at freedomain.com forward slash donate. And on Subscribestar, it's really cool. Uh, it's a very, very cool platform. So you can subscribe for just a couple of bucks a month, and you get access to a voice and text chat server on Discord that we use to, um, well, we have call-in shows, uh, we have debates, um, I'm in there quite a bit, and we actually just this weekend, because I set up a Minecraft server because they're free domain listeners who are Minecraft fans. My daughter is, of course, a Minecraft fan. So this uh, last weekend, we actually went and, I don't know if this means anything to you, but we went and attacked the Ender Dragon, which was quite a lot of fun. So uh, if you want to, you know, community's important, right? And this is not a big sales pitch for me here because it's three bucks a month. Oh, you can do more, of course, but uh, there are private shows and all that kind of stuff, so... Uh, let's see here. You even blocked me on Twitter for criticizing the lockdowns. 
Ah, people are such liars. Like, come on, man. In, in a time of such desperate crisis, stop lying. It's really important. Like, stop manipulating. Stop playing the victim. Stop, oh, you tweet, you just blocked me for nothing. I don't block people for nothing. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I did not take time out of my day, out of my 450,000 followers on Twitter, I did not take time out of my day to block you for criticizing the lockdowns. What a load of garbage. You should stop lying to people. And it's probably those kinds of habits that are getting you blocked, where you probably did something egregious. So why would you get blocked by me on Twitter? Well, first of all, if you're abusive, if you're nasty, if you're manipulative, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I didn't get rid of my entire family of origin for being abusive to have this kind of crap show up in my life where it's completely voluntary. Or if you just say completely stupid things where I can't even use you as a teaching example to others. So, so you know, stuff like this. So um, you can, of course, blame everybody else for why you get blocked. Or you can sit there and say, what did I do? Because <laughs> I'm not a block happy kind of guy. All right. So I think people are cruising in here. Didn't you push all this corona fear? See, again, that's just a stupid thing to say. I dealt with the facts. I put forward the facts. I said it was going to be a very serious issue. And it is a very serious issue. Now, is the government overreacting? Well, of course they are. It's the government. But that's not, I mean, I can't sit there and say, well, I'm not going to talk about the science, the data, and the facts because the government's going to overreact. My goal is to bring the truth to you so that you can make informed decisions to keep you and your family safe. So, no, it's not just another flu. This thing attacks a variety of organs. There are people who are having strokes because of this. Now, is it as dangerous as some of the early estimates? Hard to say. Certainly, there's indications that lots more people have had coronavirus, and uh, therefore the death rate is lower, but it's still uh, working its way through the system. All right. Thanks for your work. I thank you very much. Shall we, shall we get, uh, shall we get started? I think we've got yeah, close to a thousand, right? So we'll uh, we'll get started. All right. Well, thank you everybody for uh, dropping by today, and uh, it is time for another update. Boy, do I have a lot <laughs> to talk about, as usual. But um, let's have a look at these numbers. It really does seem to be uh, a ways back ago that we were at much much lower numbers, but you know here we are. Uh, total confirmed, uh, 3,017,806. That is, of course, a high number. And it's really, really important to remember, this is the number with a large number of societies on almost total lockdown. So look at this. In the U.S., right? We'll look at these uh, in countries. Close to a million in the U.S., 229,000 in Spain, almost 200,000 in Italy, 162,000 and change in France. UK, 158,000. Germany, 158,000. Just like the First and Second World War. UK and Germany, neck and neck. 112,000 in Turkey, 91,000 in Iran, 87,000 in Russia, 83,000 in China, 84,000 almost. Well, if you can believe any of those numbers. 63,328 in Brazil, and 49,084 in Canada, and uh, it kind of goes down from there. Now, of course, a lot of the countries further down on the list, like India uh, and uh, and so on, they are places where there isn't a lot of testing. Mexico, come on, those numbers are no way that low. Pakistan and so on, it's a testing issue. They don't have the resources or the bureaucracy that's not completely corrupt to be able to get that done. What's interesting is Sweden, 
So Sweden is interesting because they, of course, have not pursued a lockdown strategy. And everyone is like, oh, that's very interesting. Sweden is not pursuing a lockdown strategy. I wonder if they're very, very wise and so on. Now, I don't know how far to go on this, but uh, I will mention something in general. So uh, there seems to be lots of indications that the Swedish government is kind of infested with a whole bunch of communists and socialists and so on. And the one thing that's true about communists and socialists is they kind of hate old white people because older white people have older values. They tend to be Christians or at least pro, um, pro-freedom, right? If you look at the hostility that people had towards old people in the 2016 election of Trump, that people had towards old people, old white people in Brexit and other places, uh, old white people are kind of notoriously... Um, more pro-freedom, particularly the men in general. Now here in Sweden, they didn't pursue a lockdown strategy. Now we know from Sweden's largely suicidal immigration policy that there is no great love in the Swedish semi-soft blonde dictatorship for um, Westerners, for whites, and so on. And if you look at how the Swedish government, for millions of dollars back in the day, helped fund the communist terrorist organization, the ANC, led by Nelson Mandela, with the goal of overthrowing uh, the... um, capitalist system within South Africa. It was not for apartheid, which was a bad government program, a terrible government program, but it was because they wanted to destroy a a Western country and they were able to flex their muscles with South Africa, which has been largely destroyed. And now, of course, they're working elsewhere. So there is, of course, a particular possibility. And I've seen, I've been sent actually things I can't confirm. So I, I put this forward merely as speculation that um, some of the people who are getting sick, right, the old white males in particular who are more pro-freedom, who remember the fight for freedom that occurred in the middle of the 20th century, well, they're not getting as much care as they should. And so it's entirely possible, possible, theoretically possible, that the Swedish government is acting perhaps unconsciously on its hatred of old white men and is allowing a disease to spread that targets older Well, older means in Sweden, older means white, because the immigration policies is all young men, right? Young fighting age men. And so uh, it's uh, going to get some troublesome people out of the way. And um, I'm not sure that it's because of some big wise strategy on the part of Sweden. I'm not saying anybody's planning it. I'm not saying it's a conscious thing. I'm not even saying that it's true. But I have uh, seen reports. I'll link to it in the show notes below of a guy who says, I'm a Swedish doctor, he seems to be, and he's uh, horrified at the lack of care that the elderly are getting in Sweden. That is not great. Okay. Oh, how do we get back to the world thing here? Let's, because uh, here we're stuck on Sweden, right? Let me just try a reload here. Can we go back to the beginning? Sorry, I've got this um, web thing here. Let's uh, well, let's hide it and show it again. It should cause a refresh. And we'll get back into it. But see, the numbers, of course, are still going up, right? The numbers of spreading uh, viruses are still going up. And I believe there are eight strains last time I counted. It could be more now. Uh, eight strains, which, of course, every extra strain makes the possibility of a vaccine or a cure that much more challenging, right? So, yeah, look at these numbers, right? So here it was, right? So back in, at the end of, back in here, right? I think I first talked about it on the 27th of January, 2020. And I had a conversation with a contact, a friend of mine in Hong Kong. And we referred to it as 
China's Chernobyl, China's communist Chernobyl. And then I ref my next show, I believe, was Pandemic. Uh, and that was uh, late January, early. So it's just so funny to think this is all back here when I was warning everyone about what's going on up here. And uh, it's, uh, you know, of course, if people had listened, this curve wouldn't be higher, uh, would be much lower. And uh, hundreds, tens of thousands of lives, for sure, could have been saved. But um, the people who have their sort of fingers on the button, who suppress me, uh, the people on various social media platforms and so on, who suppress me, well, they suppressed information that could have saved tens of thousands of lives. I think it's a real shame. I think it's a desperate shame. But I only have so much control over that. I can only speak the truth and publicize it as much as I can. I can't actually physically get people to let me have the kind of reach that I've earned and that I deserve, but they don't like because I'm anti-communist. So this is, again, the perils of ideology. They would rather suppress me. And I don't know if they feel any guilt or any sense of like, oh, man, this was really bad. You know, we suppressed a guy who back here was warning about how dangerous this thing was. And uh, I don't know. Do they sit there and say, well, a bunch of old people died because I made a bad decision? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so uh, that is where things are. And this is very important, right? So this curve here, this is with society on a virtual total lockdown. And it's still going up enormously. So when the lockdown ends, as it's going to have to do, I mean, I know that people are bad at math as a whole, and largely because they've been taught by largely women in terrible government schools. But math illiteracy means that you have no capacity to weigh costs and benefits in a rational manner. And so what happens is if you release people from lockdown and there's going to be a second wave, right? I mean, of course there is, right? I mean, the, the virus isn't going back in the bottle. And we saw this with the Spanish flu. There were three waves. We saw this with multiple waves in the Black Death. Not I'm comparing, I'm not comparing the lethality, but just the general cycle of things. So there's going to be a second wave. And then there's going to be all these, you know, terrible pictures of, of crowded hospitals and old people dying and sometimes young people dying and so on. And it's really, really sad. And again, if I had been allowed to speak to the world, right, back then, right, if I, you know, and I'm not just talking about suppressing the social media, if I'd been able to give speeches, if I'd been able to give speeches over the last year, instead of uh, being attacked and deplatformed and bomb threats and death threats, then more people would have heard of me, more people would have been listening to this show, there would have been more pressure to close borders. And so, you know, the people who have suppressed me, the people who have opposed me, they have blood on their hands, but I think that they... I mean, in terms of the far left, like the Antifa and so on, the people who've really uh, attacked me and threatened me, well, I, you know, blood on their hands seems to be a, a good day in their, in their world, right? So, uh, but, I mean, my conscience is clear. I desperately wish it had been different. But um, people got me shut down. What can I tell you? Got to live. Got to live, right? So this is with society virtually shut down, right? Now, what happens when society goes back to normal? So um, people are going to have to die. I mean, there's no way around it, right? And you can say, well, we want to keep this curve flat, but you can't keep the economy shut down. Otherwise, people start to die from lack of access to healthcare. People start to die from lack of access to, I mean, sunlight, for heaven's sake. Sunlight is a very, very healthy thing for you. Vitamin D pills aren't quite the same. I mean, today it was out, I was out, outside throwing. Uh, we have these little polystyrene airplanes my daughter bought, not from China. And um, we bought them actually last year, and they're great fun. You throw them, they do these kinds of loops and so on, and we throw them and try and catch them. And I was out just, <gasps> sunshine. I, uh, it's the only religion that makes sense to me, <laughs> sun worship. Um, so... 
people need to be there. Gyms are closing down. Has anyone done the long-term calculations of what life is like for people? What is life is like for health in the long run if gyms close down? And people say, oh, well, you know, you can get some weights at home. And it's like, sure you can. Sure you can. I have. But, you know, when you're a young person, I mean, I'm going to be 54 this year, right? So I'm not going to put myself in the young category. But if you're a young person... You go to the gym because that's where the hot people are. I mean, why do you think I went to go and do Ashtanga yoga for an hour and a half on a Sunday, right? Because that's where the hot women were. And so I would go and chat with them and ask them out and we'd go on dates. And you go to the gym to meet people and the exercise is like a way of doing that, right? I mean, I met my wife uh, playing uh, volleyball and so on, right? So yeah, what's life like without gyms? People, they could work out at home, but it's not really as efficient and uh, it's not really as easy. And uh, it's not, you know, <laughs> it's not as fun. There aren't as many attractive people around that you can uh, chat with, right? Now, gyms, gyms are important. And of course, you know, as I talked about last time, the people who aren't getting health care, particularly the cancer patients, they're not getting health care because uh, everything's been shut down for this coronavirus epidemic, which has certainly hit places pretty hard. I mean, this certainly has hit places pretty hard, but a lot of places aren't being hit hard. And so by now, we should be ready to start up again, right? Because we got the month and a half bought by the shutdown, um, longer in some places, so we should be ready. But here's the thing. The media is so infested with communists that they don't want people to get sick from COVID-19. Because if people get sick from COVID-19, from SARS-CoV-2, from Winnie the Flu, from the CCP virus, from the boomer doomer. When people get sick from that, people are going to get really, really angry at the Chinese Communist Party, which is responsible for this pandemic against solemn treaties that they signed with the world that gave them entrance into the world community and entrance into the world trade organization and access to people's markets and travel to people's country. They signed very solemn, powerful health treaties saying if there's any kind of illness, you tell us right up front, right there. And they failed to do that. And they resisted people coming in to do it. And they sealed China off from Wuhan and let people from Wuhan, they knew were infected, fly to the world and spread the savage commie love. So this is a huge crisis for communism as big a crisis as it's faced since the one-two punch of Khrushchev and Solzhenitsyn with the Gulag Archipelago and Khrushchev's explication of Stalin's crimes, that was a big punch. And of course, once they realized that, once the communists in the West realized that they couldn't win the propaganda war anymore because too many facts were coming out about how evil and brutal uh, Russia had been under Stalin, they then switched with the 1965 Immigration Act, they just switched to replacing the population they couldn't convince with people from other cultures, third world cultures in general, that are much more amenable to socialism. And so they don't want to release us from these roving, well, not even roving, these solitary confinement prisons of our own home. They don't want us back out there because then people are going to get sick, people are going to die, and everyone's going to get mad at communism. And that, you understand... They don't want herd immunity to communism. You understand? They don't want herd immunity to communism. 
And, you know, herd immunity is a questionable strategy, even when it comes to coronavirus, for reasons we'll get into perhaps a little later. But anyway, so these are the numbers going up like a rocket with limited testing, with lots of people around the world don't even have access to testing kits. I mean, in the third world and so on, in Africa and, and so So this is the number, even with the lockdown. Can you imagine what this number would be without a lockdown? It's um, really, uh, it's a terrifying thing. Now, the death rate does not appear to be as high as earlier estimates are. And I think it was Neil Ferguson is actually a physicist who was giving us all of this information, not even a doctor. But um, this is the number with a lockdown. Without the lockdown, the number's going to go higher. Now, again, a lot of people are not particularly at risk, right? I mean, if you're young, if you're healthy and so on, but I was just chatting with uh, someone who was uh, saying that he was a diabetic, he's got heart issues, uh, and uh, uh, he's got a lung issue, and yeah, he's a young guy, but he's like, mm, you know, what am I going to do if this thing hits, right? A lot of people who are uh, vulnerable, and, you know, I mean, those people's lives matter, of course, right? All right, so let's start diving into more, and I will, of course... Um, uh, look for your questions. Uh, we've got a lot of information to go through here, and I'll try and do it to, uh, pretty quickly. China's ambassador in Australia has warned that demands for a probe into the spread of COVID-19 could lead to a consumer boycott of Aussie wine or trips down under. And again, I'll put all the sources to this below. But yeah, it looks like Australia might actually not have the flood of blood commie money coming into the country to prop up their market. So this is not good, right? I did a whole show about how if you were to view this as a criminal case, this is, um, this is threatening the prosecution, right? This is threatening the investigators. And this is not the actions of innocent people, right? So if you try and figure out how COVID-19 spread, we're going to boycott. Well, good. Jesus, Lord above, Australia should stop sucking at the teat of that bloody commie money and get its own damn economy going. It's terrible. I mean, as I said before, I was on this, um, when I was staying in Australia for a speaking tour, I went on Puffing Billy, uh, which was a, an old, oldie time steam engine that went through the back woods in Australia. And I was the, uh, I was, uh, I and my family were the only white people on the, uh, on the entire thing, the all Chinese people. And well, you know, all the money that they made, right? All the money was made for cheap labor from China. All the money that was made from Chinese investment, it's all being burnt and spent on treating coronavirus, right? Okay, so this is pretty recent, uh, two days ago. So it's best to go, you know, confirmed cases curves, it's best to go horizontal. At least 15 countries plus Hong Kong have shown the way. And I uh, can't really zoom this in too much. Uh, again, the source will be below. United States up top here, flattening the curve. Uh, Austria, South Korea, Australia, Greece, New Zealand, Uruguay, Taiwan, Vietnam. They are flattening the curve, which is obviously a good, a good thing. Uh, I would do, I would do an interview with Brett Weinstein to exchange thoughts on SARS too, absolutely. But um, I'm not sure even that the Weinstein brothers are big fans of mine, <laughs> right? So a lot of these um, now. Okay, so this is good news, obviously. But again, this is on almost total lockdown. So that's good, right? It's like if you have a heart problem that's exacerbated by exercise, right? 
And then you say, okay, well, I'm not going to exercise. Have you really solved your heart problem? Um, I'm not entirely convinced that you have. Oh, look, I'm cutting off the Y down on the bottom here on my name. Oh, well, you guys know who it is, right? So, yeah, I mean, so this is kind of like, hey, look, we've, we've managed to flatten the curve of somebody with a heart problem by having them, by strapping them to the couch. And it's like, okay, well, you're just delaying the inevitable, right? And the whole point of delaying the inevitable, which is the spread of this thing around the population, so that maybe there can be herd immunity or you just get this kind of stuff out of the way, well, good. I mean, it's good, but people act like this is some kind of solution. There's not a solution. As I said before, this is kind of like holding your breath underwater and thinking you've become a fish. <laughs> you haven't. It's a very, very, the whole shutdown, the whole lockdown thing is a completely temporary solution to a pretty permanent problem. So let's keep going on. Oh, yeah, so Bloomberg says a new study from Wuhan finds the coronavirus can linger in the air for, in crowded spaces as scientists struggle to determine exactly how it spreads. Well, yes, of course it can. Of course it can. And I talked about this months ago. And, you know, it's funny because, look, I'm not sitting here saying, like every time I talk about how depressingly right I was and am, people are like, oh, you're just, you know, stroking your own ego. Nothing to do with that. God, why do I care? I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about the world not getting sick from communism. But uh, I'm, I'm talking about it so that I gain credibility so that people get behind what it is that I say, because I, whatever serves the spread of the information is what I'm into. All right. The new coronavirus appears to linger in the air in crowded spaces or rooms that lack ventilation. Researchers found in a study that buttresses the notion that COVID-19 can spread through tiny airborne particles known as aerosols. At two hospitals in Wuhan, China, Researchers found bits of the virus's genetic material floating in the air of hospital toilets, an indoor space housing large crowds, and rooms where medical staff take off protective gear. Now, this doesn't, uh, didn't seek to establish whether the, the airborne particles could cause infections, but if you remember months ago, I talked about the study on the bus in China where it was, what, 15 feet? People got infected from 15 feet away because they could tell when a guy got on board, and they could tell when uh, like who got sick from there so yeah people as far as 15 feet away like here's the thing too which is um oh sorry it's got a little ad here yeah yeah bloomberg have their ads right they gotta repay that guy's debt right all right so let's get down to uh some more of these here bookmarks and uh, sort this stuff out Oh, yeah, you guys got a Tara Reed, T-A-R-A-R-E-A-D-E, just by the by. You really should check out uh, Joe Biden's accuser, accuser of, I think it's sexual assault, and uh, way, way more corroboration for that than for the woman, Lacey Ford, who uh, I believe completely lied uh, about her interactions with uh, Justice Kavanaugh back in the day, and um, all of these uh, accusations are being studiously ignored by all the hypocrites who went heavy into the Me Too movement, right? Because uh, it's, good to be, uh, it's good to be a Democrat. You can uh, do whatever you want and the media will uh, cover for you. All right. So uh, I'm not going to go into this in huge detail because, again, you know, this is, I'm, I'm being aware of the problems that are occurring for YouTube with regards to um, uh, bandwidth issues. But uh, yeah, this is a um, kind of a big deal. I'm just going to read some of the relevant part of this because... Uh, so Tyson Foods, 
is facing a new set of challenges in small communities around the country where we employ over 100,000 hardworking men and women who are being forced to shutter our doors. This means one thing, the food supply chain is vulnerable. Okay, that's an abstract way of saying, get ready to drop a couple of pant sizes. The food supply chain is vulnerable. As pork, beef, and chicken plants are being forced to close, even for short periods of time, millions of pounds of meat will disappear from the supply chain. As a result, there will be limited supply of our products available in grocery stores until we are able to reopen our facilities that are currently closed. Tyson Foods has a responsibility to feed our nation and the world. The government um, bodies at the national, state, county, and city levels must unite in a comprehensive, thoughtful, and productive way to allow our team members to work in safety without fear, panic, or worry. The private and public sectors must come together. As a country, this is our time to to show the world what we can do when working together. In addition to meat shortages, this is a serious food waste issue. Farmers across the nation simply will not have anywhere to sell their livestock to be processed when they could have fed the nation. Millions of animals, chickens, pigs, and cattle will be depopulated because of the closure of our processing facilities. The food supply chain is breaking. Is breaking. Now, of course, this is making some vegetarians very happy until the vegetarians want health care from doctors who like to eat meat, right? So this is a very big, uh, big issue. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this particular thing because it's only somewhat related. But dear Lord above, Trump did not tell people to drink disinfectant. (laughs) Trump did not tell people to drink disinfectant. Uh, This is from Joel uh, Pollack. Uh, who is well worth following on uh, Twitter. But, uh, you know, he was, so Trump was talking about, oh, there's light that you can use to get rid of, um, uh, that they're looking into ways that light can get rid of uh, uh, germs and so on. Yeah, Israel's IAI tests UV light solution to sterilize passenger aircraft. You can see experiments actually be going on for about 100 years off and on where people are getting UV light shot into their veins in an attempt to sterilize things and... uh, He's not, he did not tell people to drink uh, disinfectant. See, the word disinfectant, you know, I mean, sunlight can act as a disinfectant, so to speak, right? Uh, Because heat can kill uh, germs, right? Now, that doesn't mean that going out into the sun is exactly the same as drinking bleach. I mean, this is just the media doing their usual garbage thing and uh, all of that. So... Uh, here's a funny thing too, right? So people get all kinds of shocked and appalled when uh, they think that Trump is saying, "Well, sh- shooting bad things into your veins is somehow going to cure, is somehow going to cure disease," right? Well, let's see. So here's some flu shot ingredients. Like I'm not a big fan of the flu shot myself. I just, you know, I, get, I have a luxury of working from home. So, um, but yeah, a few, uh, flu shot ingredients. Can you spot the disinfectants? So. Uh, potassium chloride, thimerosal, formaldehyde, formaldehyde, triton X100, thimerosal, formaldehyde, thimerosal, formaldehyde, uh, and so on. And one I'm not even going to try and take a run at, which is <laughs> looks like somebody who's Welsh having an epilepsy. But uh, yeah, so there are disinfectants even in um, in this kind of stuff, right? Oh yeah, so let's talk about this. Talk about this now. This is from CTV News, um, a Canadian outfit. I'm not sure if they're on the take from the government. A lot of Canadian outfits are, of course, because they're um, 
uh, rancid garbage and um, they can't compete with people like me and so they run to the government to suppress me and take government money. I don't know if these guys are in that list, but um, I won't get into this in great detail, right? So herd immunity, just so people understand. So this is Dr. Christopher Labus, a degree in epidemiology. Herd immunity is the concept that when enough people get an infection and are now immune, you've essentially protected the rest of the population because there's nowhere for the virus to spread. The virus has to spread from person to person to survive. So if you have enough people who are immune, the virus will eventually peter out. So it's an appealing concept in the time of COVID-19 as achieving herd immunity would mean that many, many amenities, workplaces, and public areas, areas could reopen because the risk of transmission would be so low. The term was coined more than a century ago, blah, blah, blah. wasn't much used until recent decades. And um, I didn't have measles parties when I was a kid, or my parents didn't, my mom didn't. But um, So here's the, here he says, right? There's no vaccine for COVID-19 yet, or even an effective treatment. I know that's debatable, but this is the way, right? The problem with applying herd immunity to COVID-19 is one Enough people have to actually get the virus and get sick, which results in a considerable loss of life in this particular case. The second problem is we don't know if immunity from the virus is going to stay long-term or not. Am I immune if I've already had COVID-19? Yes and no. And while those who have fought off COVID-19 once definitely have a strong resistance to the virus due to antibodies developed during their battle, not enough is known about the strength and duration of that immunity yet. There have been media reports from several countries of individuals testing positive for COVID-19 after they had been thought clear of the virus. The World Health Organization told several media outlets on April 11th that they were looking into reports of COVID-19 patients who tested positive a second time after testing negative while in consideration for being discharged. It could be faulty tests, could be the possibility of patients being reinfected has not been ruled out. It's also unknown if recovering from COVID-19 could grant immunity for a brief period but then leave a person vulnerable again after some time. In the case of the regular flu influenza, a new flu shot is required every year. RNA mutates, as I said before, 100 times faster than DNA. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Abdu Shakawi said in March that it's, quote, quite possible, end quote, for individuals who had COVID-19 to become infected again. Um, one of the concerns we have is there may be a second wave of infection if our strategies for containment and for infection control are not good enough. So I won't uh, go into this in more detail again other than to say I was talking about this months ago. 14% was the number that came, I think, out of Taiwan. So I do not know about all uh, of this. Um, you know, because people say, oh, it's just the flu. It's just a bad flu. Okay, well, let's say that's true. Well, got to get a flu shot every year, and even those are somewhat dicey, right? Uh, Gabe Hoffman, you should really check out his documentary, wrote, Did you know China is bound by international law in the form of the international health regulations to report timely, accurate, and detailed public health information? China also owns $1.1 trillion of U.S. Treasury notes, which can be canceled to repay damages. Well, of course. Well, of course. I wonder if we should have a look at this. I, You know, we've got some time, right? Everyone's home. As uh, Billy Joel used to say, I ain't got crap to do tomorrow morning, so maybe we should. Is this going to come in? Oh, ah, it's a PDF. It doesn't really seem to work. Okay. Uh, I'll put the link. It's coronavirus compensation, assessing China's potential culpability and avenues of legal 
response. I will link that below. I guess this thing doesn't show PDFs, which kind of makes sense because PDFs aren't exactly the same as web pages or even uh, that close to them. So, all right. Sorry for the gray bar of live streaming doom. Uh, oh, yeah. So this is not good. So 93% of vaccine trials fail. And to get safe vaccines takes an enormous amount of time. Sometimes vaccines that have been out for a long time suddenly get recalled because of particular long-term health catastrophes that have occurred. So this is Ezra Levant from Rebel News. Well, we're following. Uh, he said, I did not see that coming. Quote, Dr. Tedros, so this is the director of the World Health Organization. Dr. Tedros was a leader of the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, a group that was designated as a terrorist organization by U.S. officials. Now, isn't that rather strange that you would be hearing that now? That seems rather important that for many years, this guy who was the leader, not just in, not a child soldier, not dragged in, he was the leader of a group that was designated as a terrorist organization by U.S. officials. So the U.S. has been sending, what is it, half a billion dollars to an organization headed by a guy who was the leader of a terrorist organization. But don't worry, I'm sure he's got nothing in common with China and will work very, very devotedly to keep the world safe no matter what. And it's also great to know that not only did the U.S. fund a terrorist, but the music industry just did a giant freaking fundraiser for him. Can you imagine? I'm so glad I didn't have more singing talent. So, um, you know, with regards to uh, Sweden as well, right? Uh, I do, I'm do. i quite fascinated by Sweden. I would have liked to have visited it in the 70s, I guess, uh, rather than what seems to be fast approaching my 70s. But anyway, um, so Sweden, of course, a lot of people are talking about how great and important Sweden is, right? So from Paul Emanuelsen said, Sweden on the 5th of March, 90 cases, zero deaths. We have reached the top of the curve says the Swedish people, Swedish government. Sweden on the 25th of March, 2,700 cases, 63 deaths. The curve is flattening now. Sweden, 25th of April, 18,200 cases, 2,200 deaths. Sweden's predictions aren't very reliable. Uh, Sweden has not just suddenly developed a great love of its people. I guarantee you that. There's something pretty nasty going on with this uh, supposed herd immunity, which I talked about earlier. Communism is just sadism masquerading as a political ideology. That is correct. That is certainly correct. That's just a tweet I put out that I didn't want to uh, want to miss. All right. So, oh yeah, scientists at Cedars-Sinai are developing an ultraviolet light that is inserted into the lungs of coronavirus patients to kill the virus living there. Trump was right again about inserting UV light. It's called the light. And again, I'll put links to that below. So, uh, will these guys let me? Uh, let's find out. Okay, so let's copy the link to this. I've missed you guys, too. It's really nice to be chatting with everyone as well. All right. So Canada has a couple of newspapers. Globe and Mail used to be pretty good. I think it's pretty bad now, but nonetheless. So Norman Spector wrote, this is from a Globe and Mail article, quote, some countries, Canada among them, followed the World Health Organization advice, waiting another seven weeks to ban foreign travelers. In that time, the virus took root and began its furious expansion. Others weren't convinced, key among them, New Zealand, right? So that's the seven weeks, right? So the World Health Organization said, 
because they got it from China, despite the fact that Taiwan told them China was lying. Oh, there's no real evidence of human-to-human transmission, blah, blah, blah. And it's racist to ban foreign travelers, and you should let everyone in, and so on. So, yeah, turns out that the guy who runs the World Health Organization, who was the head of a former terrorist, well, the former head of a terrorist organization, uh, turned out to be very, very good at spreading terror. <laughs> it's funny, funny how that, how that works, right? This is interesting as well, and this is from a guy who should totally play King Lear. I'm just telling you, if I had money, I would fund that movie because he would be a fantastic King Lear. But anyway, James Woods, great actor um, and a great tweeter as well. The Wuhan coronavirus reveals yet another truth. With our, i.e. the U.S., southern border lockdown, the usual tsunami of drugs, illegal aliens, and child sex trafficking has slowed to a trickle. This plague has finally taught us the power of immigration control. James, great to have you on board. I'm going to be annoying and say I was also talking about that months ago. So um, here is, uh, again, these are experts. And one thing that we must always be is skeptical of experts, right? Uh, when I say something is good and virtuous, uh, there's a reason I wrote a whole book on how to figure out ethics from the ground up, right? So, um, but nonetheless, I think it's important to look at. Now, let's see. We've got some weird see-through thing here. Let me just see if I can control A this. Yeah, okay. One, one of Australia's most eminent vaccine developers says there may never be a vaccine against COVID-19 for some very good reasons. Professor Ian Fraser, he co-invented the human papillomavirus, which prevents cervical cancer, said coronavirus vaccine was tricky. Although 100 different teams around the world were testing for vaccines, medical scientists did not, not have a model of how to attack the virus. This, uh, the professor of medicine at Queensland University, which is testing for its own COVID-19 vaccine, said immunization against coronavirus was similar, similar to immunizing against the common cold. So Fraser said it's tricky vaccines for upper respiratory tract diseases because the virus lands on the outside of you. Think of us as a football with the skin and respiratory tract on the outside of the football and the lungs are where the outside interlaces with the inside. The place where the virus lands is outside us and it tries to infect the cells within us. Our immune system is inside of us. When it lands inside our lungs, it tries to infect our cells and succeeds. Our immune system goes to fight the virus and that's why people get sick. If the immune system turns on too strong, it can cause damage to the lungs. The wrong vaccine could make things worse. So we have to be very selective about what parts of the virus we want to attack. If you immunize someone with a vaccine, it goes inside you and makes an immune response within you. What you want is an immune response to migrate out to where the virus lands. There is no vaccine against the common cold. With flu, the immune response inside a person's body didn't occur until the flu virus gets inside them. We tried to deliver a vaccine to the lungs with the flu mist, which you snuffed up your nose delivering the vaccine to the place where you need an immune response, but it didn't work terribly well. So coronavirus doesn't get into you. It stays on the surface cells in your lungs. All those flu viruses get into you so the body can fight and make T cells. This virus doesn't kill the cells. It makes them sick. At the moment, we don't know how to make a coronavirus vaccine work. That's why there are 100 vaccines under testing using every conceivable approach. We don't know if any of them will work. He re reported that a vaccine for the 2003 SARS severe acute respiratory syndrome outbreak was never successfully developed and then the virus burnt out. By the way, SARS came from where? China. Did they lie about it? Yes. Did they suppress it? Yes. Did they facilitate its spread? Yes. But, you know, things get worse and worse until we 
eventually bloody well learn, and it might be very, very bloody. So, yeah, um, SARS broke out in China, didn't spread as far, partly because overseas travel by the Chinese population was not as great 17 years ago as it is today. So again, if the World Health Organization wanted to infect the world, exactly what they'd say is, eh, it's not hu no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission, and the important thing is to let people travel. So that is uh, something to be aware of, right? It's really, really important to uh, understand that, you know, false hope is a very dangerous thing. And it's not going to kill everyone in the world, of course not. But it's going to kill a bunch of people. And there isn't, I don't think there's going to be any magic that's going to make it to stop. So here, all identified outbreaks of three or more cases occurred in an indoor environment, which confirms that sharing indoor space is a major SARS-CoV-2 infection risk. Um, and again, put a link to this below. So yeah, being outdoors. So here's the funny thing, right? This is how ridiculous governments are, right? So indoor spaces is generally where people get it. So locking everybody indoors together, not always the very best idea. So yeah, outdoors doesn't seem to be uh, much of a big issue at all. And that's just something to remember when things, things go up, right? Uh, should we do this? I don't know. Yeah, why not? Oh, by the way, Unban Hoaxed, so um, a documentary that I'm in, I dare say that I star in, uh, called Hoaxed, which you can get at hoaxedmovie.com, was banned from Amazon for no particular reason. No communication was done. And um, you should go watch it. It's really, really a great, great documentary. And uh, hoaxedmovie.com, well worth it. And, you know, it's, it's a shareable documentary. Uh, and um, I do... Some, I do some great stuff in there. All right. So this is what President Trump said that has everybody hysterical. Now, some of the Lysol and these companies did put out stuff saying don't drink our products, but they did that for liability reasons, not because they think that Trump was saying go drink bleach. The president said, thank you very much. So I asked Bill a question that probably some of you are thinking of, if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. Right? So this is the light that can deal with uh, infections and viruses and bacteria and so on. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, which you can do either through the skin or in some other way, and I think you said you're going to test that too. It sounds interesting. And, and acting under Secretary Brian said, we'll get to the right folks who could. The president said, right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And that is a way we can do something like that by injection uh, inside, or almost a cleaning, because you see it gets in the lungs, and it does a tremendous number on the lungs, so it would be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with, but it sounds it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's that's pretty powerful. Right? So light is being used as a disinfectant. This is not that complicated. This is not like asking somebody from Nairobi to parse out iambic pentameter and... Uh, figure out the speeches of Hamlet, right? So yeah, an injection, right, in, of light inside the body that acts as a disinfectant. That's it. Now, you understand that the reasons why people get into all of this hysteria, now Trump is telling people to inject bleach into the... Come on. I mean, it's the same reason why, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I've said over the years, all completely lied about him. It's not even misinterpreted. This is, a, this is an insult to misinterpretation. They want to falsify... 
what it is that you say. I can just give you this 101 on this, right? If you guys aren't media figures, so to speak, and you haven't been lied about because you're anti-communist. So many years ago, uh, I said, um, when I was talking about criminals and their prey, like the predator-prey relationship between criminals, like thieves and, and, and murderers and so on, criminals and their prey. And I said, in this context, criminals and their victims, I don't view humanity as a single species, right? Because... And it's not, I know that they are the single species, and I said that in the, in the podcast, but I said when you look at the predator-prey relationship the criminals have with their victims, it's like a separate species. You can look at it like separate species, right? Now, of course, this was completely lied about and spun into because I said I don't view humanity as a single species, that somehow I'm racist, even though it had absolutely nothing to do with race in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Any, it's tons of examples. Uh, I've got some playlists on my website where I just go through the absolutely egregious falsehoods that people spread about me. But yeah, you can see this. You can see this in real time. So the reason they do that is they want you to become paranoid about speaking. Oh my God, I have to write out everything beforehand because I, if I say, if, if light is being used as a disinfectant that goes into people's lungs, and I say that light is being used as a disinfectant that goes into people's lungs, that people are going to then say that I'm telling people to drink bleach. So I, I've got to not say, uh, you, they, just, they just kill your free speech. I mean, you can have the law in theory without having it in practice. And if people are just going to willfully misinterpret everything you say, then you become paranoid, and then you can't be spontaneous, you can't be engaging, you can't think on the fly, you can't be charismatic, you can't be loosey-goosey. So basically, my theory or my general philosophy is to hell with that. If people are going to willfully misinterpret and reimagine what I say in some particular context, um, like there's another, I don't even remember the speech, but you know, when you put square brackets in, you're indicating that's not what someone said. And I was talking about different countries, and the people who were lying really about what I said, they actually just inserted non-white in square brackets. So, oh, so then it, you know, maybe it sounds racist or whatever, but they actually just inserted non-white, which I didn't say. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely terrible. And it's right there. It's just an IQ test, right? Because if you see that there are the square brackets, then you know that's not what I said, right? So to help with those people, um, those weasels won't take away my capacity to speech, to speak at all. Okay, uh, this is also not particularly uh, good, and I'm not trying to fearmonger here. I'm just trying to give you guys the lay of the land. Because here's the thing, man. You need to know what is out there in the world of coronavirus, because this is what is informing people's decisions, whether you like it or not. Right? And I'm sorry to expose you to The Guardian, uh, which is more intellectual pollution, but it's a good article on air pollution. So coronavirus is detected on particles of air pollution. So scientists are investigating whether this could enable it to be carried over longer distances and increase the number of people infected. The work is preliminary. It is not yet known if the virus remains viable on pollution particles and in sufficient quantity to cause disease. The Italian scientists used standard techniques to collect outdoor air pollution samples at one urban and one industrial site in Bergamo province and identified a gene highly specific to COVID-19 in multiple samples. The detection was confirmed by blind testing at an independent laboratory. Uh, Leonardo Setti at the University of Bologna in Italy, he said, I'm a scientist, I'm worried when I don't know, he said. If we know, we can find a solution, but if we don't know, we can only suffer the consequences. That's a pretty good... uh, So two other research groups have suggested air pollution particles could help coronavirus travel further in the air. 
Higher levels of particle pollution could explain higher rates of infection in parts of northern Italy before lockdown was imposed. The region is one of these most polluted in Europe. Now, neither of the studies have been peer-reviewed, and so that is an important thing to remember, but that is the world that we are living in. So, look, this is important, and I did, uh, as I said, I did a show close to 10 years ago with, um, oh, sorry, his name just escapes me, Uh, Gordon Chang, about the growing danger of China's totalitarianism. Uh, I did, uh, I've done entire shows on the dangers of China and so on, but, you know, people will listen uh, eventually (laughs) at some point, I hope. But um, in particular, I've talked about how China, well, first of all, they're really, really brutal to their black population at the moment, and they're really brutal to the Uyghur population, uh, millions of Muslims in concentration camps, and they're really brutal to the uh, Falun Gong practitioners where they um, will imprison them and open them up like uh, an old woman in search of pennies to pay the paper bill uh, to sell their organs on the black market. And so they're also uh, very dangerous in a devil's bargain that they're doing with African countries, right? So in countries in Africa, they'll take a lot of money from China, and then uh, China will end up owning the country. And of course, there are huge amounts of natural resources in Africa. It's one of the IQ theses that I sort of talked about before, that Africa has a very pleasant climate in many ways, has a huge amount of natural resources, remains relentlessly pretty poor. If you look at a place like Iceland, it's... uh, well, almost no natural resources and a brutal climate, and is is quite wealthy. So, so the United States and China have taken wildly different approaches to securing their individual national security. Right, control of critical raw materials. In 1939, Roosevelt signed the Strategic and Critical Materials Stockpiling Act into law to prevent the U.S. from being caught short of essential raw materials during a crisis, especially where the U.S. had dependency on foreign sources. Right, the act specifically constrained stockpiling to those essential items that defense material managers needed for ammunition, fuel vehicles, and so on. In 1954, Congress amended the law to include reserves of grain, also aiding in farm price supports. Today, the National Defense Stockpile is 42 materials managed by the Defense Logistics Agency. It rotates inventory through sales or disposal of in-stock materials, depending on changes suggested biannually by the Department of Defense. So recommendations for materials to be included or excluded from the NDS are made by the Institute of Defense Analyses, a contractor for the Defense Logistics Agency. And I won't get into all of these particular details. So three pillars, military forecasting, economic models, domestic supply versus reliable foreign sources. Anything deemed to be critical to future military needs and not easily available as stockpile. It's important to note that the worst case Anticipated scenario is two major wars, an attack on a U.S. city, and a smaller disaster all occurring within 12 months. The modeling does not account for things like sources being co-opted by adversaries or pandemic-level events. So, I mean, there have been a number, a large number of outbreaks, pandemic-style outbreaks, but they have been limited, right? You've got SARS, you've got Ebola, you've got a bunch of others, right? And I've covered a lot of them. I was too, um, I, I didn't start until a couple of years after SARS the first round, but I've covered a whole bunch of these other outbreaks. So the idea that they wouldn't figure out pandemics when pandemics are pretty regular, I don't know. The strategy-minded reader will notice that this is a defensive posture rooted in static assumptions. The NDS is not treated as a strategic weapon except to the extent that it equips the defense industrial base to keep making material during a major supply chain disruption. This also reflects the U.S. reliance on private industry and traditional trading practices to maintain readiness and safety stock 
for the arsenal of democracy. We make it here or we buy it somewhere else. So given the size of the U.S. defense industrial base and $700 plus billion annual defense budget, the NDS currently holds only about $1.1 billion in materials on hand scattered across six facilities. So that's uh, not great. And you can re read into this, right? So the U China has a more holistic approach to strategic materials. Since 1990, China has been at war for strategic materials. And uh, you can get into all of this, but it's really, really worth looking at how China is working very, very hard to make sure they have continual access to raw materials. You know, one of the reasons why Islamic radicalism has spread around the world is because the environmental movement prevented the drilling for oil in most Western countries, which increases the amount of money flowing to places like Saudi Arabia, which funds the Wahhabism and other extreme beliefs. And so um, you understand that uh, it's, it's called the watermelon, right? The entire environmental movement. It's green on the outside. It's red on the inside. It's a bunch of communists who don't care about the environment looking to cripple the economies of the West and uh, destroy their capacity to um, protect themselves, right? Um, parents are now more favorable of homeschooling as a result of COVID-19. And uh, more favorable, 52%, less favorable, 26%, not sure, 22%, right? So the enemies of homeschooling are freaking out. I think it's Harvard is having an entire conference anti-homeschooling, a bunch of rat bastard fascist evildoers, in my humble opinion, because, um, I mean, you get it, right? I mean, parents are seeing their kids at home and seeing how little schoolwork is actually being done, and they're like, wait a what the hell's going on in these damn schools if my kids can do it in an hour or two? Even according to what the... Um, the teachers are saying, eh, just, you know, work for an hour or two, maybe read for a little bit, and you pretty much got the whole thing going, right? So Gateway Pundit, interesting source. Let's, uh, let's go to the actual thing, right? So again, this is our good friend, Dr. Death. Sorry, Dr. She. Um, what do we got here? Is that not? Uh, I'm sorry, let me try that copy again. It's actually a lot more fun doing this live and chatting with you guys and getting your feedback than it is beavering away in my little dungeon and all that, right? So from April 23rd, in 2017, Dr. Xi from Wuhan Institute of Virology claimed she kept a large reservoir of bat viruses and related vaccines. So, of course, um, I talked about her months ago. China's Dr. Xi Zhangli, weeks ago on April 19th, long before other news popula uh, publications, about a week after our first post, Dr. Xi's name is finally breaking into the mainstream media reports, even discussed on Tucker Carlson's show as well. Chinese Dr. Xi Zhongli was part of a team that worked on a coronavirus project shortly, sorry, jointly with U.S. doctors in 2014, but it, before it was shut down by the Department of Homeland Security for being too risky. After the U.S. research project was shut down, Dr. Xi continued her coronavirus research in Wuhan, China. And uh, that's weird, right? And Dr. Fauci gave $3.7 million to the Wuhan laboratory. Something is going on. Rudy Giuliani drops the bomb on NIAID, director Dr. Tony Fauci. Uh, that's important. You should check that link as well, of course. Dr. Xi was part of a team, including Dr. Ralph S. Barak, that published an article in 2015 of Nature magazine. The back coronaviruses showed potential for human emergence and so on, right? So... Again, you know, I think one of my very first presentations about this whole thing, I was talking about how terrible these security precautions were in that godforsaken hellscape of a laboratory. So, yeah, coronavirus kills up to twice as many men as women, and the reason is in our genes. 
should we have a quick, let's have a quick look at that, right? I'll, I'll take some questions. Um, I won't go super long today, uh, but uh, I really do appreciate everyone dropping by. It's a great pleasure to chat with you all. Let's see here. Uh, why does it say I've got zero viewers? I feel there should be more. Let me just check here. Uh, it's popped out. Where is my chat window here? Are we still going here? We are, right? Yeah, 25, 33 watching. Sorry. Okay. So naturally, of course, the feminists will feel that women are affected more. But all over the world, in China, Italy, U.S., and Australia, many more men than women are dying from COVID-19. Why? Is it genes, hormones, the immune system, or behavior that makes men more susceptible to the disease? I see it, says this person, as an interaction of all these factors, and it isn't unique to the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The different response of men and women is typical of many diseases in many mammals. Which is strange, because, of course, the left believes that gender is just a state of mind. So I guess if you just call yourself a woman, you just identify Lauren Southern style as a, as a opposite sex, then uh, you're okay, because I'm sure that the, the virus respects leftist insanity. All right. In Italy and China, deaths of men are more than double those of women. Men in New York City are about 61% of the patients who die. Uh, now, of course, in China in particular, many more men, 50% of men smoke, only a couple of percent of women, and so on. So uh, one major variable is age. Can't explain the sex bias, right? The increased male fatality rate is the same in each age group from 30 to 90+. plus. Women also live on average six years longer than men, so there are more elderly women than men in the vulnerable population. The other major factor is the presence of chronic diseases, particularly heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. These are all more common in men than women, which might account for some of the bias. But we must ask why are men more vulnerable to the disease? Men and women are biologically different. <gasps> Anyone who's tried to do the joyful jigsaw puzzle of adult sex has kind of realized that you need an innie and you need an outie in order to have a happy. So, of course, men and women differ in their sex chromosomes, the genes that tie, uh, that, uh, that lie on them. Rely on them? Women have two copies of, the, of a mid-sized chromosome called the X. Men have only a single chromosome and a small Y chromosome that contains few genes, which is why, if I take off my shirt, I don't get a lot of followers on uh, Twitch. One of these genes directs the, directs the embryo to become a male by kickstarting the development of testes in an XY embryo, right? So we all start as female and then... We turn into, into male, and then we get raised by single mothers. Kind of a boomerang thing. In the presence, in the absence of SROI and ovary forms, makes female hormones. So anyway, that's, okay, we all know this stuff, right? Uh, testosterone levels have been credited with major differences between men and women in risky behaviors such as smoking and drinking too much alcohol, as well as the reluctance to heed health advice and to seek medical help. And um, it's also one of the reasons, by the by, it's also one of the reasons why uh, men make more money than women because we're more willing to take risks and, and be aggressive and, you know, pound the table to get what we want and so on, right? So it's not just smoking, right? So that's an issue as well. But, um, yeah, that's probably going on too long. I will let this go on for quite a while, so I don't want to get into all these details. But uh, suffice to say that, you know, if you're a dude, and I believe I have more than a couple of dudes watching uh, this uh, show, uh, kind of important. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, okay. So this is kind of important. And uh, Paul Joseph Watson, you should really have watched his um, uh, epic flame against, flame wars against Piers 
Morgan uh, this uh, last weekend. It was uh, really quite uh, quite impressive. Uh, and I again, I talked about this months ago. King's College London professor warns excess cancer deaths over the next five years will outstrip coronavirus deaths due to the disruption caused by the coronavirus lockdown, which is preventing cancer victims from getting treatment. That's a big, big freaking deal. And um, it's really tragic. But you see, here's the thing, right? Because the whole point of intelligence is the seen versus the unseen, right? So you see the coronavirus deaths bunched together. You don't see the deaths that end up being caused by a lack of cancer treatment, which was spread out over many years and so on, right? And I guess this is, it's not, no, nah, this is a week ago, right? So yeah, eight weeks ago, there were zero deaths. I mean, this is how fast this is, right? Eight weeks ago, there were zero deaths in America. Seven weeks ago, 11 deaths. Six weeks ago, 38 deaths. And as of April 22nd, 46,609 deaths, right? Now, this is some pretty wild stuff, too. And um, the harm that has been done by the economic slowdown is going to vastly outstrip the harm that is done by coronavirus. But again, like if you're a leftist, if you're a communist, you hate capitalism and you love socialism and communism. And so anything that harms the market and protects communism, i.e. a shutdown for coronavirus, is, is good for your health and ideology, right? So, oh gosh, we're in April 23rd. 26.453 million initial jobless claims amounting to 16.24% of the entire civilian labor force have been filed over the past five weeks. That's 71.27% of the Great Recession's entire 18-month total of 37.118 million. So again, you just look at this thing, right? This jobless claims is... Uh, and, you know, the economy was getting better. I know a lot of it was smoke and mirrors, but the entire jobless stuff, the entire stimulus package, all of this, all smoke and mirrors anyway. I mean, the government doesn't have any money. And once you recognize and accept that basic fact that the government doesn't have any money, uh, it is the beginning of political wisdom and, and voluntarism. Oh, yeah. So this is also not great. This is for the, and again, does this mean it's going to be the case for everyone? No. And just for those new people, I did talk about this a while back ago, but um, Paul Bohm reports... 54% of asymptomatic cases and 79% of COVID-19 symptomatic cases on the Diamond Princess had ground glass abnormalities in their CT scans. And he says, and here's what really surprised us. This is from the article, or the report. These patients did not report any sensation of breathing problems, even though their chest x-rays showed diffuse pneumonia and their oxygen was below normal. How could this be? We are just beginning to recognize that COVID pneumonia initially causes a form of oxygen deprivation we call silent hypoxia. Silent because of its insidious, hard-to-detect nature. And uh, so he says here, ground glass opacity lung lesions are not common unless you have lung cancer or something similar. 60 plus percent of a cruise ship should not have ground glass opacities. So... Um, you can go to, well, you can go to Wikipedia or you can go to a source that's reliable. It's up to you. But again, I'll put sources to this below. But um, this ain't just the flu, my friends. This ain't just the flu. Some 80% of the masks the Czech Republic purchased from China for around $600,000 are defective. Chinese rapid testing kits sold to Spain had only 30% sensitivity as opposed to the 80% level expected. The Netherlands has recalled 600,000 defective masks it purchased from China. Turkey recently rejected an unknown number of Chinese testing kits after they yielded inaccurate results. 
Georgia, the country, not the state, suspended its agreement with a Chinese company after receiving a thousand substandard rapid testing kits. Similar failures were evident even in Beijing's gifts. China donated 100,000 test kits to the Philippines soon after discarded because they were only 40% accurate. So, I mean, they're laughing at us, right? China started this crisis, but now they're selling medical equipment, testing kits, masks, and emerging as some of the heroes that will save us. China, uh, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, at some point, people will understand that this is hilarious to China. Right, this is hilarious to China. China has barred French safety experts from the Wuhan lab. The world is facing multiple famines of biblical proportions in just a matter of months. The UN has said, warning that the coronavirus pandemic will push an additional 130 million people to the brink of starvation. Well, it's the UN, right? Okay, let's start off with this, uh, end off with this, right? And then I'll take a couple questions, and I wanted to check in and see how you guys are doing as a whole. Uh, let's, uh, let's go with this. Five threats to U.S. supply chains. And I think this is more than Michael Moore at a buffet, but probably pretty close, right? The coronavirus pandemic has upended food supply chains, led to closures and pop-ups of meat-producing plants and left Americans with the unsettling experience of seeing empty shelves at supermarkets. Coupled with the run on toilet paper that led to severe shortages, recent events are leading Americans to wonder if the nation's food supply is secure. So they say, don't worry about food running out. I would, myself, but uh, better to be safe than sorry as far as that goes. But that does not mean all food will be readily available. So, processing plants where workers often stand in close quarters as they prepare food to be delivered to grocery stores and wholesale customers. The close proximity has increased the risk of outbreaks in the plants. Last week, Smithfield Foods, the world's largest pork producer, shut down a pork processing plant that accounts for up to 5% of production after more than 500 of its workers were infected. One worker has died from COVID-19. Other companies, including Tyson's Food, Cargill, and JBS, have also been forced to close plants after workers got sick. It, uh, Tyson's Food recently partially reopened a plant to close down after two employees died of COVID-19. 148 others tested positive for the virus. So that's not great. Agricultural reliance on guest workers. He's not planning to include a guest, like the suspension of immigration is not planning to include guest worker programs in the ban. One likely reason is that America's agricultural sector depends heavily on foreign workers to pick crops. Nearly a quarter million last year were employed in American agriculture. Well, that's all just nonsense and lies, right? American agriculture does not depend on heavily on foreign workers to pick crops, as if that's somehow causal. That's all nonsense. The basic fact is because all of these cheap, half-slave labor workers are allowed into America... They don't have to upgrade. They don't have to automate. They don't have to join the 21st century. They don't have to get robots. They don't have to get um, other ways of automating the production of food. It's the same thing that happened in the South when direct slavery was allowed. There was no upgrade. I mean, the, the end of slavery is the beginning of capitalism, is the beginning of the modern wealth that we have in the free market. And so if you don't allow these workers to come in, and they will bring disease. I mean, they will bring disease. No question of that. I mean, that's just a fact, right? So they will bring disease in. So if you don't allow these workers in, what's going to happen? Well, they're going to upgrade. Like I'm telling you, my friends, this is going to change the economy permanently. Like no matter what you think. So you can say, oh, well, you know, but the death rate is far lower because many more people have it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this could all very well be the case. 
But you have to deal with the facts of what people believe, not the facts that exist outside of people's beliefs. This is a basic fact of, of life, right? There's what people believe, and that's what you have to deal with in a democracy. And then there's what the facts are, which is great, and I will try to continually promote those facts. But the reality is people are going to be jumpy about this virus for a long, 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 long time, particularly after the seventh wave. The second wave hits. And you can say, well, yes, but the death rate is below 1%. It might be below half a percent. Lots of people get it. and it's, I get all of that. But we have to deal with madness and the popular delusions of crowds. We have to deal with the world as it is because we live in a social universe. And just wishing that facts somehow eclipse people's prejudices is great. You know, and I've been working at that for 35 years, but you do have to deal with the facts. So what's going to happen is because of coronavirus, Workers are going to be replaced by automation. It's finally going to happen where workers are going to be replaced by automation. And not truck drivers so much because, you know, they're working alone and all that. But a lot of places are going to um, end up automating their workforce. And all of that extra productivity is going to end up being handed out in welfare payments to people who can't really work. But at least what it will do is it will finally undermine the argument that you need endless amounts of foreign labor in order to, uh, to survive, right? So, okay, that's uh, enough of that. I really, really appreciate your thoughts, your attention. Let's uh, do our big reconfiguration of the entire studio, move to the center of the map here. And uh, if you've got a couple questions, I would be happy to do what I can to, uh, to answer them, if you would like to. Yeah, Bill Gates siding with China. I mean, I remember being concerned about Bill Gates. I think the first vacation he ever took was a big tour through China. Yeah, Bill Gates is, uh, he is uh, communist adjacent, and that is a very, very bad, a very, very bad thing. All right, what else have we got here? I'm going to rewatch this and quote some of this in a Word document. Good, good. Yeah, please share it with me, and I can put it on my, uh, on my website if you like. Um, yeah, guest workers already bring disease. Lettuce is frequently contaminated. Yeah, that's true. And of course, the TB and other things have uh, all that. UN Agenda 2100 has the population of Canada at 100 million. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole purpose of the UN is to move people from the third world into first world countries, which will turn first world countries into the third world. Uh, it's a big, you know, horrifying uh, danger. So you on Jesse Lee Peterson show. Thumbs up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You should check that out. Uh, I did a great show. I just published it yesterday uh, with Jesse Lee Peterson. It was one of these weird coincidences because what happened was, so I'm just taking my glasses off because you can see all the ring lights and that in the reflection. I didn't bring my non-reflective ones into the studio today. So I did a show with the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson, who's a really great guy to talk with. He's a very real dude and a smart guy and interesting and, and curious and a good listener. Well, he's a reverend, right? He's a good reverend. So I did a show maybe two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, with him, where he was kind of grilling me about my relationship with my father and my mother. And then my father died. And then he had me on again to talk to me about that. And it was really a very powerful conversation. And I hope that you will uh, check it out. So yes, thank you very much. I'm glad you liked it. Have I, I've been to Glasgow. Ah, I think I've certainly been to Edinburgh. I can't remember if I went to Glasgow. So I don't know if you care about the family history, but um, 
we were originally going to move to Scotland rather than to Canada. And I took my entrance exams to go into school in Edinburgh. And then we, for reasons that passed my understanding, I was 10 at the time, we ended up moving to Canada. And then we came in the winter of 1977. We flew Freddie Laker, Discount Airlines, couldn't afford to fly to Toronto, flew to New York, took a bus up to Canada. And this was in November of 1977. And we landed snack dab into just the most wildest snowy winter that Canada has experienced in modern times. And so it was a pretty wild thing. And I loved it. Oh, God, I love that. So in wind, wind, like snow in, in England is very rare. And so, but you loved it, right? So uh, snow in Canada was just, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. So how can the West punish China, just not buy cheap goods? Um, well, you, you kick China out of the World Trade Organization. You close your borders to Chinese goods because China is not upholding its obligations to tell the world about health issues. So China is directly responsible for tens or hundreds of thousands of people, or maybe more in the long run, being killed. So, yeah. And well, of course, you also, and you just, you can't allow people from China to travel. And I hate to punish the Chinese people for the actions of their governments, but you can't allow people to invest. You can't allow people, like, I said this years ago, years and years ago, this would have solved the whole damn issue, right? So years ago, I said, you don't have more liberal policies with a country than they have with you. So if you can't go buy land in China, Chinese people can't come buy land in the West. If you can't go and live in China and become a citizen, then Chinese people can't come to your... Like, you just have to have reciprocity with these things, right? Because otherwise, I mean, you have to have... Morality is not something that exists independent of a relationship. It's not like a law of physics that you have to follow no matter what the other person does. It's a reciprocal relationship. And the best way to end your civilization is to have a higher moral standards than those around you. And so, of course, China should not have been allowed to come and buy up massive sections of Western businesses and countries because China doesn't allow that in its own country. And therefore, it's a one-sided relationship, which is just terrible. Automation will not be implemented soon enough to satisfy your premise, will it? Sure, it could be automated. You can automate this stuff very, very quickly. Trudeau seems to want to drag this out to avoid his own problems awaiting. Ford also. May is another lockdown month. How long does this get dragged out? Thoughts? Well, they have no exit strategy. There, there's no end game here. There's no exit strategy. And we don't have a leader. I'll tell you the speech that I would give if I was the leader. And I'll keep it really, really short. But I would say, look, we acted badly. We have become so hysterical about racism that we were afraid of closing airports. In fact, the airports in Canada are still open. We've done a terrible job of protecting you as a country. And we have to confess that. We have to deal with that. Much like Churchill had to say about Chamberlain's appeasement at the eve of World War II, and to say, well, the wrong policies were pursued and very, very bad things have occurred as a result of that. So now what we have to do is we have to keep our society going. We have a new variable in the air, literally. We have a new equation in society, which is the Wuhan flu, the Wuhan virus. And we need to re-examine our relations with China. We need to re-examine our commitment to the World Health Organization and the UN and all of the other alphabet soup of umbrella organizations that seem to be shielding some extraordinarily bad and dangerous people. We need to re-examine all of this. This is a wake-up call for how far we've drifted from truth, morality, and reality as a society. 
So all of that needs to occur at the governmental level. What needs to happen at your level is you need to buckle down and face up to the fact that we're going to lose some people. We're going to lose some people because China lied. We're going to lose some people because we in the government were so afraid of being called racist that we did not act to protect you and contain this virus within China where it could have been dealt with. We didn't do what Russia did, which was close its borders like that. We didn't do it. So clearly we've let this whole racism thing take over our common sense to the point where we lack basic self-protection. So we need to re-examine our whole, everything's racist and everyone's a racist hysteria. But we're going to have to reopen and some of you are going to get sick and some of you are going to die and that's a terrible thing. But there's no point pretending otherwise. You know, if we were starting a war and we were drafting all these young men, we wouldn't say to all these young men, everything's going to be fine. We would say to these young men, and they would know it anyway, but we would say it to them, you're going to go overseas by the millions. You're going to get involved in terrible fights. Some of you will survive. Many of you will be wounded, and many of you will die. And that's the reality of war. And now that the Chinese communist virus has been unleashed upon the world, people are going to get sick and people are going to die. And that's a real shame. But hiding out in our cellars, hoping that death is going to pass us by, simply brings him closer because we hide out in our cellars. And we don't do what is necessary to survive as a culture, which is to get out and work despite the dangers. We hide in the basement. We hide in our cellars. We are not solving the problem. We are only making the problem worse because when we're hiding out in our cellars, we're not doing the essential work that is necessary to keep us alive. We are not growing the food. We are not shipping the food. We are not doing the health care that we need. We are not performing the essential machinery of functionality that our society needs in order to survive, that we all need in order to survive. And so hiding out in our cellars, we are doing not to avoid the coronavirus, but to avoid the truth of our massive societal failure that allowed all of this to happen. And the longer we hide, the worse it's going to get. So we need to all get together and have serious conversations without hysterical finger-pointing of racism and so on. We need to have serious conversations about how the hell we got into this mess and how we can work as hard as possible, as honestly as possible, to ensure it never, ever happens again. And let us also look to those who saw the warnings early that we have smeared and lied about and figure out what they have to say. Because whatever sins we think they may have committed, if we'd listened to them, thousands and thousands of lives would have been saved. Because the borders would have been closed and this hell-sent communist virus would never have landed on our shores, in our lungs, and taken out many of our mothers and fathers and grandparents. We have a lot of radical reevaluation to do as a society. We've been living in a dream world as if the world is safe and everyone's friendly and the only dangers are imaginary Nazis from 70 years ago marching through our fevered imaginations. We need to wake up to the real dangers of the world. We need to stop living in a fantasy of eternal protection. We need to start saving money as a society again because these kinds of disasters are going to occur. And we need to break down everything and raise it from the ground up so that we are smart and sensible rather than deluded 
vicious, frightened, and hiding, because that is no way to live. So I would say something like that, but there's nobody who's going to bring this kind of stuff up. Nobody makes those speeches anymore in politics. It landed in December. Border closures would have helped, but how much? Well, of course it would have helped. Because you could have found the people and contained it. Have you not seen these movies? All right. China patented the virus. I don't know about that, but they certainly patented remdesivir. F China? Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Do you think China is worried? No. No, they know that the media will attack anyone who puts out the facts about China. How can we stop the deluded Marxists? Well, you've got to defund the universities. My God, you have to defund the universities. Universities should be entirely dependent upon the full price of their services being paid for by their customers and having governments shore up student loans, having governments protect universities and professors from competition is ultimately what has caused this problem. I mean, these problems go back 150 years till the start of the takeover of education by the government in the 1850s, the 1860s, the 1870s. So, no, you, you simply must cancel all government funding of universities so that they actually serve the culture rather than their leftist masters. Uh, right. Is there a second wave of corona infections coming? Well, sure. I mean, the virus is still out there. Everyone's hiding at home, and when they stop hiding at home, you'll get a second wave. Uh, do you have faith in our economy, or should we be investing in America? This is the only chance the West has to survive, is this kind of wrenching change. How can we abolish the welfare state? How can we deal with the repercussions of it? Well, we deal with the, we have to abolish the welfare state by appealing to women's nobility. And women are noble, but nobility is something that lies within us, ready to be summoned by eloquence at any given time. It's why sophists can be so dangerous, and statesmen, stateswomen, and eloquent speakers can be so powerful. So what we do is we say to women that a terrible mistake has been made. The forcible transfer of wealth to you has been a terrible mistake. And throughout all of human history, it is men who have had to sacrifice themselves for the sake of maintaining civilization. It is men who have had to go to war. It is men who have had to dig the ditches and make the sewers and build the high buildings and create and protect women. There's a reason why labor-saving devices like washing machines were invented for women before life-saving devices like masks for coal miners were invented for men. Throughout all of human history, it is the men who have been forced sometimes or volunteered to sacrifice themselves to save society. I mean, look at the movie Titanic, women and children first. Look at all of history, women and children first. Men have been disposable, men have been sacrificed, but men cannot sacrifice themselves to save the West at the moment. Only women can do that. Only women can do that because the welfare state is a single mother state. So women have to, for the first time in human history, because, you know, you all wanted equality, right? You all wanted equality, and I'm sure that you understand that equality doesn't just mean all the cool things. It also means the downside, right? So the downside is, and nobody's asking you to go to war. Nobody's asking you to get your boobs shot off or anything like that. What we're saying is, in order to save the West, we have to cut spending and we have to reduce the incentives for people to come here for free stuff, which means we have to eliminate the welfare state. And women say, but this is very tough for me. I understand it's very tough for you. But it's not as tough as going to war, which is what men have had to do for the last, I don't know, 150,000 freaking years. 
So you wanted equality. Now you get equality. You have to give up the welfare state in order to save our society. In order to save us from endless indebtedness, in order to save us from endless waves of mass immigration, the welfare state has to close. Now, I know it's difficult. But that's what being a responsible and mature member of society is. Sometimes you have to do what's difficult. And you are smart women. You will figure this out. You will figure out how to get rolling people to take care of your kids so you can go and work. You can figure out how to go and attract the nice guys so that you can get settled down with someone and maybe start a family in addition to the children that you have. But the welfare state has to go. And if you care about the future of femininity as a whole, if you care about women as a whole at all, then you have to give up the welfare state. If you don't give up the welfare state, society is going to collapse and women will never let, men will never let women anywhere near political power ever again. Because it will be like, well, we want all the free stuff, but we don't want any responsibility whatsoever and we're not willing to make any sacrifices. Well, you will simply destroy any potential for female economic advancement for the entire future history of the planet. So. All right. Women only wake up after 30 when their sexual market value has plummeted. Well, but you tell them ahead, right? You tell them ahead of time in the same way that you tell smokers before they um, get lung cancer to stop smoking, right? If trade sanctions imposed on China, could that turn into a hot war? No, there's no hot war with nuclear powers. There's no hot war with nuclear powers. It won't happen. And unfortunately, nuclear weapons made us much more vulnerable because there can't be conventional wars, so now there's just infiltration and subversion, which is far more dangerous in many ways, right? Oh, there are many, many wonderful women out there in the world. Incredible women. I mean, I'm married to one, in my humble opinion, so, all right. All right. I think I will close things off. We've had a lovely, lovely chat. I really, really appreciate everybody dropping by. It is such a great pleasure to chat with you guys again. I am so sorry that it took a while. As I said, I have some good um, reasons for that. But um, uh, I love you guys so much. I so much want you to stay safe and happy and healthy, which is why I put all this effort into gathering and disseminating this information for you. Thank you uh, so much for all of your support, for your encouragement, for your, I dare say, love. And if you do want to help out the show, I would really, really appreciate it, man. Things are tough. It was a brutal year last year, getting kicked off of PayPal and all of that. And um, if you can help me out at freedomain.com forward slash donate, I would massively appreciate that. Love you guys to death. Well, love you guys to life. I hope it works out that well. And, um, you know, don't forget to uh, check out uh, at freedomain.com forward slash donate. You can, of course, check out Subscribestar. Join us on the Discord server. We have a lot of serious fun over there, and it's a good way to get in contact with me and have a chat. So lots of love from up here in the uh, studio. I rarely seem to leave <laughs> these days, but hey, anything for the cause. Have yourselves a great week. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. Love you guys so much. Take care.